What is up, my people? Welcome to Fellowship Bible Church's Sermon Spotlight, where we are coming at you each and every week with a fresh service to debrief an effort to send biblical truth. What better way to do that than the power of conversation? I'm Mark Francis. In the host seat with us today is Miss Rose Locke. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. Last I love, time I love you were, being here. Yes, I, I'm glad you like it. You know, it's exciting to have different voices, different perspectives. And I think last time you were here, we recently kind of new grandmother um, announcement. Yeah. So how is that life going these days? It's going great. I just got off the phone with my daughter and she's doing well, but she's in that cycle of, you know, eating, burping, sleeping, yeah. <laughs> eating, burping, sleeping. I can identify the first, six, where I'm at <laughs> the first six weeks or so. Uh, that's all it is. That so. is the voice of yeah. Pastor Mark Carey <laughs> with us once again. How are you? Good. Yeah. Good? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Second childhoods are always good. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are um, excited to dive right into the conversation today. and I'm going to interrupt for a second because yeah. I can't let it go. Okay. <laughs> Mark, uh, if you guys want to know what, some of the stuff that happens behind the scenes, this past week, Mark Carey brought up the fact that he never has grown up, and I told him that I would not argue with that. So <laughs> yes, <laughs> it is definitely a second childhood. A second childhood. <laughs> Or eating, the first sleeping, one that never ended. burping, <laughs> the one diapers, ended. all the things. Yeah. Okay. Well, moving on from that segue, I don't know how to, but that requires prayer probably, um, is the, the sermon, and we're con continually in this series of Every Story Whispers His Name, the Jesus Storybook um, Bible, and this was a neat week. I, I feel like that there is a lot happening within the service. Um, sometimes I enjoy debriefing the entire service as well as just the sermon. Um, so Rose, I'll, I'll come your way first. Just give us a picture from what the service looked like from your perspective. Oh, wow. That's a really broad question. Yeah. Um, well, I, I mean, I, I, I enjoyed the service thoroughly. I, I Really important to me is um, to walk away from our worship services with some um, nugget that really wants to stick with me all week. Mm -hmm. And so the nugget of prayer mm. and the approachability of God just really stood out. And then um, with the Sanctity of Human Life video, the idea that God wants to intimately be involved with me and God wants me to talk to him, I think I think was a really great, great nugget. And I even, um, on Fridays, I do a devotion with a bunch of teenagers. And I, I brought my Bible here today because um, I happened to pull for our devotion last Friday, Psalm 41. <laughs> and in Psalm 41, uh, and I don't remember the exact verses. That's why I grabbed my Bible. But we'll have to go there. David, who it says is a man after God's own heart, right? We know that. David actually says um, to God, uh, where, help me find it, guys. Uh, give me, give me, did I, maybe it's the wrong Psalm. 42. I said 41. It's 42. Um, David says, give me bread so that I can go after my enemies. <laughs> and and so I was just thinking about that psalm and I was thinking about how David David you know it's we all know that it's God is the one who gets to to um to 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 provide justice that's from the Lord and not from David's hand. But when David was frustrated and angry and hungry, he took that to the Lord. So it made me think about maybe part of David being a man after God's own heart was 
David um, actually expressing to God intimately how he felt and why he felt that, knowing that God was ultimately the provider and God was going to bring justice. But David felt like he wanted to have the justice and it was okay for David to express that to the Lord. And I just, I just really walked away from the service with that reminder that it's okay for me to express my frustrations and my joys and all all that I am holy to God mm-hmm. and that he actually desires that. Yeah, there's a component so. of of how to pray, what to pray for, and then just the, the need to pray. I mean, I think you had all the packaging of those Ps, which unpacked that a little bit for us, Mark. But my takeaway was essentially just the call for our need to have an ongoing dialogue and conversation with God. And so that story of David is just he had such a good relationship with God, he just felt the need to go to him for anything. And I think that's where Jesus was as well in his walk. Yeah, I know you both have good relationships um, with spouses and and with friends. Uh, And it's always, there's something invigorating, there's something encouraging, there's something... um, uh, powerful when you you go to Panera, you go somewhere, you're sitting down, and it's even though there's busyness in the aisles or whatnot, you, all that is removed. You don't even know other people are there, and you're talking about your frustrations, you know, at mm. whatever you know at home, your frustrations at work, you know, and you might be kind of grumbling about it but you got a friend who's listening and an hour an hour and a half goes by and it's like you know it, it's gone it's it, but there, there's such an openness mm-hmm. and a and um, no judging no judgmentalism you you feel totally accepted but you're you're just kind of sharing some of the nitty-gritty of life yeah and uh, but if we could do that to a friend why would we not want to do that to uh, with with God? Yeah. Um, and I think that's kind of the endearing relationship that you referred to with David, but that I think Jesus had with his father and that he invites us to have with uh, our father. Yeah, and the, the disciples, I think, really were an interesting uh, picture in this story where they actually approached Jesus and said, teach us how to pray. There is something to them that they recognize what Jesus was doing in this ongoing dialogue with, with his father, whether it was just going off to, to the mountaintop to pray or just having those hours and those moments of time where, where's Jesus? Oh, he's off praying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, the, and so the disciples recognized that. Yeah. And so your point in the sermon, like they could have asked him for anything, like, you know, teach us how to do miracles, teach us how to, you know, do all these other things. But it was, no, Show us how to pray. And I think part of the reason what, what drove that, and I really didn't develop this at all, but um, w- what they knew of prayer was what the Pharisees were. It was always public. Mm. It was, you know, ostentatious. It was, it was, uh, you know, loud and, and religious and formal and things like. And and you know, Jesus just had this personal. He'd go off by himself to pray. I mean, there was it was so countercultural to Judaism of the day that there, there was something yeah. that elicited that question teach us to pray 
because they saw something to Jesus that they have never experienced before. Mm -hmm. Right, and it makes like it makes it makes me feel sad because um, in the Psalms we get to see that in David. That's the kind of prayer life David had. Man, like after God's own heart. Um, he uh, there's Psalms that were written. Um, I'm in a Bible study right now in my community group. We're studying the life of David, and um, there's Psalms that he wrote when he was in a cave mm -hmm. running from Saul. So he's in a cave and all these people have come, all these kind of vagabonds have come to David for refuge. And I can picture when I read these Psalms, I can picture David in the back of the cave by himself saying, oh Lord, what am I supposed to do with all these people? I don't know what to do. Incline your ear to me, Lord. Yeah, Listen, where are you? Yeah. And it, it, you know, he's not saying that in front of all those people, right. right? He's saying it privately in the back of the cave. And so it's kind of funny because they had they had that. They had that example from David and just never developed it in their own lives or in yeah. their own walk. Yeah. yeah. A common question that we ask you, Mark, um, each time we're on this podcast is what was on the cutting room floor? I heard you say in a sermon multiple times, I feel like, if we had time to unpack this <laughs> or we could do an entire series on prayer or we could dive in deeper, you know. I feel like there is multiple comments we made like that. So what what would you want to share with us here and now that maybe didn't get said in the sermon? Well, I don't know if I, again, I don't think we have time. I mean, I, I, I do think it's <laughs> right. I mean, so things like, I think there's, whenever you talk about prayer, there are things that pop into people's minds, the, the what ifs or what abouts, um, you know, the, the son, um, asks for a fish and he's not going to give them a, you know, a stone or a snake or whatever. And if the father, if a earthly father who's evil gives his son good gifts, why won't the father give? And I'm sure, and immediately in people's minds, it's like, well, I've done that before and I didn't get the fish I wanted. Mm -hmm. I didn't get the bread mm. I wanted. Mm. So how does my will conflict with God's will? Yeah. And how does that work? Like my questions. And I, I mean, I have, I tend to write questions. So I have a lot of questions. And uh, my question about prayer is always, how does that intersect with the sovereignty of God anyway? And, you know, why does God continue to ask us to pray? And I just come back to what you said, Mark, is that God desires to be our friend and to walk with us. And our friends that we're the most intimate with are the friends that we actually express. Yeah our thoughts and our feelings too. I think my consternation with prayer, and I, I'm sure it's similar for anybody, is um, when my view of God, when, when, when I shape my frustration about prayer based on a particular view of God that doesn't mesh with scripture. So when, when, I, when I want to, have, when, when I have a picture of God that is of my own making, uh, and then it doesn't work out or the prayer didn't happen then. But when I, um, when I approach God on the basis of his character, his sovereignty, um, his compassion and his, but his wisdom, it, it's, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know how to pray this Lord. I don't know. I don't know what to do with this. I, I can tell you what I wish could happen, Lord. <laughs> So I'm going to tell you that because you invite me to say that. Right. But um, I guess what I know about God is that he's far more wise and mm -hmm. far more sovereign 
and he's the Alpha and Omega, and he, the, it's, it's already completed. Whatever the moment is I'm struggling with, it's already finished in his economy. So let me just connect with you, Lord, and I'm going to groan. And I, I praise God, I've got a mediator, uh, Jesus, uh, the, the righteous one, immediately. I've got the Holy Spirit who intercedes with groanings too deep for words. And, um, but I do think that in those groanings and in those conversations with God, he enlarges my passion, he enlarges my heart for him, and he gives me peace. And, and I think the bottom line is, as we often quote, and Tozer was so good on the knowledge of the holy, what a man thinks about God is the most important thing about him. It determines the whole course of his, even his prayer life. And so, I think you're right. The, the problem with prayer, we pose that, is that are we praying enough, but also are we praying for the right things? And are we praying for things that we want? Or do we look at the model of the Lord's Prayer and your will be done is the first part of that prayer? Are we looking to what God's will is? And so then we can easily get distracted by looking at the quote-unquote answers that God did or didn't give us for the prayers that we wanted. And then our view of God gets warped. And and then our, our desire to pray then turns into something different and we'll lose sight of the yeah. bigger picture of God's will in the picture of yeah. instead of ours. Well, and I that's always like going back to Mark Stoughton line. And um, so I said Mark Stoughton line and people listening might not know what that means, but Mark Carey has often used the illustration that we live on this dot, like our lives are um, like grass that withers and fades away, but that God has the eternal line perspective and that we can trust God with that eternal line right. perspective. And so when we approach prayer that way, you know, when we approach prayer like, Lord, I'm frustrated by this. I think the resolution of this, you know, is this. And I think it would be great for everybody's life if this happened, Lord. But I understand that you have a bigger perspective and that you, you know, so so grow us as you see fit. Um, and thank you for the opportunity to share those things with you. And when we approach prayer that way, it does. It brings us a sense of peace. And It's a shocking thing you know, to think that God is, is, is more interested in our holiness than he is our happiness. And so he is in the work of conforming us in an image of his son so that he will receive glory through our lives. And, and that's his passion. Um, and <clears throat> when my passion um, doesn't measure up to his passion, guess whose passion wins out? <laughs> mm -hmm. he, he, his will every time. Well, that can be a setup for my disappointment or my whatever, uh, or I'll push away from God for a while or whatever. Um, <clears throat> When we understand God's heart, when we understand his infinite love, uh, his incomparable grace, that his operating procedure to his humanity, his creation of humanity is grace. It's always on the basis of grace. When, when Moses you know, was hit in the cleft of the rock, it, it, <laughs> show me your glory, God passed by, you know, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness. That's how he revealed himself. That's how, always how God reveals himself. So if I start with that understanding, when I meet with him, th there's something already encouraging and comforting to know that I'm going to the, uh, before the throne of grace of the one who loves me, um, you know, with his unfathomable love. Right. And honestly, and to, I think, Mark, what you've said is so key to our prayer lives, because I think if I... 
if I have a sin in my heart or I'm harboring bitterness or I'm, you know, just list the sins, jealous, greedy, prideful. If I have any of those things in me, um, I can tend to want to hide from God. I can tend not to want to have that conversation with him. But if I remember what you just said, that God is always going to deal with me from a place of grace and love, then sharing those things with him actually becomes freeing and then actually allows us to move past those things that can be barriers to relationship to praying for other people. Right. You know? so the psalmist says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Don't run from him. Okay, so yeah, you messed up. You violated. You, 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 your, your, your life didn't measure up. Well, go taste and see that the Lord is good. He's gracious. Mm. Don't run from him. Run so to him. Practical example that's coming to my head several years ago, uh, a family at a different church in town had someone who was sick. So take the, the approach of we're going to pray for our sick family member and pray that God heal them. And over time, through all their prayers, God didn't answer that prayer and the person passed. And I remember working with some of those family members and saying, okay, God is still sovereign. He's in charge. They struggled. There was a real wrestling with God because of that. Some of the family members even walked away. And then I look in the contrast of, let's pick the Din Hardtalk family. And they had the exact same prayers for uh, Don's daughter, Christy. God didn't answer those prayers the way that they wanted, and her health and faded, and she passed. But the response of that family, I saw a night and day difference of their understanding of God with the perspective of who he is. And so their prayers were aligned with that. And even though they didn't get the answer that they wanted, they still recognize God's hand in it, mm -hmm. as opposed to, I'm going to walk away from God because he didn't answer me. So there's yeah. the difference there of, you know, fleshing out like real prayer life of what's right. happening and modeling after the Lord's prayer. Of, yeah, your will be done. Yeah. And then we'll go to God's with our personal petitions of what I want, but still your will be done. Yeah. And, and that's that's a struggle. It's challenging for it people is, to go notice, through that. But notice the words you used, Mark, like you used the word relationship. Um, with the Den Hartogs and God. And so then I think it, it just continues to go back to this, to, to have a relationship. Mark Francis, you and I have worked together for how many years? A lot. Like I mean, Mark Carey, Mark Carey, you and I have worked together for how many years? And Mark, Mark Carey, I tell the story, mowed our lawn the day my daughter was born. And Mark Carey, we lived next to him for a long time. So I've known Mark Carey for a really long time. And so I'm likely to, I have a relationship with Mark Carey. I know him. I know if I make him angry, he's probably going to forgive me. Um, I know Mark Francis, if I make him angry, is probably going to forgive me because I've known them over time. I've spent time with them. I've developed a relationship with them. I know who they are. And I think it's God is the same way. He's revealed himself to us in our in his word. And we have the opportunity, and it is a privilege and an opportunity to spend time in his word and get to know him and who he is and how he interacts with us. And when we know him in that way, we can't help but want to run to him yeah. and then trust him with the answer. Yeah. Trust him that he knows he knows better for us than we know for ourselves. Yeah. And I do think, going back to what we said earlier, that that's what that's what drew the disciples to ask that question, to just to maybe maybe unpack the word pray, and it was teach us to have the kind of depth of relationship mm -hmm. and conversation mm -hmm. with the Father that, that that you that you that you do, Jesus. And so it was more than just <clears throat> teach us to pray. How, how, what do we say? How do we say it? It was the attitude and the heart 
that was behind it. And you, you think about kind of the, the kind of question just teaches to pray because that's that's a value and they saw it in Jesus. But I'm also thinking of other questions. I know Rose, you have several questions, but you know, plenty of believers out there would say, you know, does prayer work? Absolutely, prayer works. And they're viewing prayer again as a transactional kind of conversation mm -hmm. with the Lord, as opposed to an ongoing dialogue and relationship, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. instead of just saying, I'm going to come to God when I need something, it's a transaction related thing, I'm going to go to him, and then I see it working. Yeah. And, and, and so the question, does prayer work? Well, that's not the right question. Right. You mm -hmm. know, it, it's looking back of what's the relationship and is that ongoing dialogue, are you trusting in God each and every day, each and every moment with a dialogue of, God, is this the right choice? Yeah. Is this the right thing? And it, the thing that, uh, what again, what you said, what, 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 what I've said more of about, but I think that comes out in the prayers as recorded in Matthew and Luke um, of Jesus when they ask teachers to pray. And I didn't mention this, but there is this eschatological perspective that mm. Jesus had. There is, mm -hmm. Jesus did not live his life. He lived it in the moment, but he didn't live it exclusively for the moment. There was always this grander, broader perspective. He understood that what was happening now is part of a bigger piece of, and that's a, his view of God again. Mm. So when he prayed, hallowed be thy name, it's, 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 Lord, make your name holy, tied to the prophet, prophetic scriptures of let your kingdom mm -hmm. come. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and um, I, I, again, I think to the degree that we are broadening our perspective of life and the, the, of, of, of how God views the eschaton, the, 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 the now and the not yet, and how it all fits, and God is sovereign over all that. And when we see ourselves as a player in all that God's design is, it, it will, to the degree we understand that, it'll begin to impact our prayer life. Yeah, and I, I'll say, Mark, I appreciate you bringing that up. I um, uh, The worship leader prayer that was um, in the middle of the songs from this past weekend, um, the, it, the creative intention behind that prayer, the storytelling intention behind that prayer was to actually model from the Lord's prayer, a, a prayer to God. And so um, I, one of the worship leaders called me and asked for some clarity on that. So I just expressed what I expressed to all of you. And um, when he prayed, I, I said to him something about that the prayer starts with, you know, um, let, let your kingdom come. You know, that, 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 so we, I would, I said something about, we would want a prayer that maybe would start with that. Um, and I said that in descriptiveness, but then when I was in the service and experienced that, and at the beginning of his prayer, he prayed with an eschatological future hope focused. That was like a click moment for me. And I, I don't, at the second, it's funny, I don't remember exactly what he said, but in the moment, I was so thankful to be brushed into that long-term view. And so there is something about this Lord's prayer. Yes. And it, and it fit with where your sermon went as well, of having that yeah. perspective. And I was one of those worship leaders too. And so the 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 task at hand of model it, don't say it word for word, yeah. but put it into context of where we are in the here and now in our culture. It, I wrestled with that and 
in my mind, probably modeled that prayer at least 25 or 30 times to where it was something that was more natural. Mm -hmm. And I would challenge people to do the same. Study the Lord's Prayer, look at it in its context, unpack it on your own, and find ways of how you can model that. We did that at our community group last night. Mm -hmm. It was, we... We talked a little bit about the sermon, but then we just wrestled with phrase by phrase by phrase. What does this say? What does it mean? Let's put larger phrases to it to flesh it out. Mm-hmm. And we walked away. Wow. Okay. okay. And then we and then we prayed. Yeah. Then we went around the room yeah. and and we all prayed and, and went off to that model. But we it, did. It was an interesting. It was an interesting thought for me in those moments because you know we all like the old like acts adoration confession you know models of prayer and yeah. things like that. Which are but good. Yeah. yeah, I had never heard a model of prayer. Maybe there's one that exists that talks about, um, you know talks about acknowledging the future kingdom and our hope there as the beginning of the prayer. And so when the worship leader did that in that moment, I that to me that was really powerful and an important thing. So Yeah. I think again without oversimplifying it, talk to the father about the father. Yeah. His heart, his plans, his you know, his call on life and then talk to the father about you. Mm-hmm. And um, by the way, I think too at the, the the way the worship team constructed the, the service to have uh, at least an F1 and F2 to have Phil Cavell, uh, kind of our one of our senior saints, senior elders, come up and close the service off mm-hmm. in a heartfelt prayer, I just thought was the icing on the cake. It sends us off yeah. into yeah. now our rehearsal, now our um, rehearsing the gospel yeah. time together is over. Let's send us yeah. off with that kind of prayer benediction. Let's model that. Yeah each and every day until we meet again, because we'll probably forget. <laughs> well, and I appreciate it. I mean, there are other things I appreciated, Mark. Like, I pre- appreciated you calling out. I love to watch TV. I- I'm kind of, <laughs> like, I love, like, you know, mm-hmm. I can, I can, uh, uh, would it binge a show on Netflix mm-hmm. occasionally, you know? Like, I love watching television. And I just appreciated the call out, too. Do you know what I mean? So You're taking the time to spend a half hour, yeah. an hour watching a show to binge. Can you yeah. do the same with God? Well, yeah, I, you know, you you're supposed to preach out of the reality of your own life. Well, so, so you know, I think you said physician heal thyself. In one of the services, he said, too convicting. Let's move yeah, on. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but, I, but I, I mean, I appreciate the call out and I'll just be perfectly transparent. I think my prayer life has looked a, a lot different, frankly, since Sunday morning through mm-hmm. this time, which is Tuesday afternoon. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and my prayer, it, you know, would be that that would continue for me. You know, and God has been really kind to me. Um, I was sh- I was sharing earlier that uh, a couple prayer requests have come to my f- to the forefront for me in the last twenty four hours or so, and and I'm really thankful and appreciative to be able to go to God's throne on the behalf of those people and um, really taking the honest time to do that. So I'm very thankful for Mark Carey, and I'm very thankful for. Um, for the teaching and the impact that you have on my life and continuing in my life, because it really is encouraging and helpful. Praise the Lord for the scriptures. Yep. And we go to them every week. I love it. Well, if I can summarize, I mean, prayer is not just a one-time thing. Prayer is something that should be an ongoing dialogue with God, a relationship-based thing. Let's model it after Jesus. I mean, let's model what he presented for us. I mean, it's in scriptures for a reason, telling that story for us to uh, to look into it. Well, I don't think there's much to announce um, that's coming up. We, we do have a baptism service in a few weeks, 
I know and that. And we've got to look, we get to hear Caleb in a different oh, environment, which you is going to be really that, exciting. You're setting that up for a couple weeks down the road. Not this weekend, <laughs> but next weekend. We will have Caleb Pearson, our one very own here from the Sermon Spotlight, in the pulpit. Mm -hmm. So we're going to be hyping that up, making him even more nervous. Yeah, you know, you let's watch and listen to this, Caleb. No no pressure. You can <laughs> you can knock it out. So yeah, a couple weeks, Caleb will be in the pulpit. Anything else that you would want to announce of where we're going uh, sermon-wise? We're still... Following the chapter by Following, chapter. Uh, if you get a copy of uh, the Jesus Storybook Bible, you'll just see what the next. Uh, My next daughter got that book for ahead. Christmas because yeah. I heard you in your sermon say that we should give them to our grandchildren. Oh. So my daughter got that book for Christmas. Awesome, so. that's great. Yeah. yeah, keep you know, give them away. Give yeah. them away. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a great book. And yeah. it's got, but because every story whispers his name or shouts. It's, it's, yeah, or shouts his name. <laughs> exactly. Well, thank you guys for being here. Rose, once Thanks. again, thank yeah, you. Mark, you too. The fact of the matter, guys, is that sermons are not meant to take an hour, but rather transform a lifetime. Until next week, much love and God bless. Mm -hmm.